Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks so much for listening. Now, I know some of you have asked if I myself will ever be interviewed on my own podcast. The answer is yes, and today is that day. So no, I won't be asking myself questions. That would be a little weird. Instead, I will be joined by Dr. Martina Rao, who is a professor of educational psychology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dr. Rao will be the one conducting the interview. Martina, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. It's good to have you here. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to interview the podcast host. Okay. All so right. I guess I'm co-hosting? I guess you could say that. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay, let's begin. So yeah, so Joe, we've um, heard you ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I can ask you some questions. Yeah. So how did you actually first get in touch with Tango? How I first got in touch with Tango. Okay, this is going to be kind of a long story, hopefully an interesting one. So my first experience with with Argentine Tango, I guess the first time that uh, it made a, a big impression on me was uh, I, I I'm pretty sure I was about eight I was about six years old at the time wow that's pretty early yeah uh, it's kind of a funny story behind it so uh, I was living in Washington State and I was in my family room my parents are watching television they're watching I think PBS or something and I wasn't really paying attention I was drawing uh, at the coffee table and I happened to look up and I saw a very short clip of Argentine tango, and that was very, very interesting to me. So before that, though, what, the reason why it made such a huge impression on me was that uh, while, while growing up, uh, my brother and I were both musicians. I mean, if you grow up in an Asian family, you, you pretty much have to play an instrument, right? <laughs> so I remember going to one of my brother's recitals, and he, he was a violinist, and I was just bored out of my mind. And there were all these other children doing other instruments, and then there was a little ballet section. And I remember uh, we had a family friend whose daughter did ballet, and I remember there were just boys and girls in tights just jumping around, and again, I was just kind of bored. Um, after it ended, uh, where people were kind of gathering and chatting, my, my, my brother and my mom were very chatty, so I was just really itching to get out of there. And then the um, the ballet dancer, her mother was friends with my mom, and they came up to me and they were talking. And then uh -huh. my the the ladies, my mom's friend said, "Oh, Joe, boys can do ballet too. Do you want to learn ballet?" And I said, "No, I don't. I don't want to do that." Because up up until that <laughs> point, my only reference to dancing was ballet and I see. and people wearing tights, and I didn't want to wear tight clothes and prance around on a stage. Really? No. <laughs> And so back to uh, me drawing and watching television and seeing that clip of Argentine Tango, which just blew my mind because I thought, wow, this wasn't, it was a guy in a suit. He wasn't wearing tight pants. And it was like, <laughs> this, this lady in this really, really nice dress. And then it was really So it was passionate. the first time that you saw that dancing is, can be something other than uh, jumping around in tights. Exactly. And then I just remember asking my mom just really quickly, hey, what's that? And my mom said, oh, that's Tango. And I remember saying this to myself. I didn't say this out loud. I thinking to myself, I said, okay, if my parents ever made me do a dance, like that's what I would choose. And I just uh -huh. remember thinking that. <laughs> so and then I never, that was like a couple seconds on the television. And I never saw it again. Uh, so fast forward, I'm about age 10 now. And I remember I was in fifth grade and there was this school assembly. You know, every once in a while they have an assembly, some event happens. And in this case, there were two dancers who came mm -hmm. 
this nice old couple, lady and an old guy, and then they did all these dances, and again, it was just kind of boring, but it was good. I got to, got to get out of math class for that. <laughs> and then um, the lady says, okay, well, our next dance is going to be a tango. Uh-huh. And then I immediately got excited. I said, oh, okay, tango. Maybe I'll just I'll see, you know, wow. up, up close. But it was ballroom tango. It wasn't, it wasn't the tango that I'd seen I on see. television. So I was very disappointed. I said, well, that's, that's not tango. There's just cheesy music playing in the background. I said, that, and I was, I was disappointed. I said, that's, that's, I know, that's not what I saw on the television when I was six. So fast forward, I think four or five years after that, I'm in ninth grade, I'm a uh-huh. freshman in high school. And we have uh, the social studies class, or, or no, world civilization class. That's what it was. Okay. And uh, there was a, uh, an assignment where... Uh, we had to do a report on a country either in Africa or Latin America. And the teacher went around calling on the students. And then you'd have to pick a country. And that yeah. would be the country doing a report on. And I wanted to do a report on Brazil initially, but somebody had already taken that. And so I, the teacher called on me and I just said, uh, Argentina. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's next to Brazil. I said, okay. And I knew nothing much about Argentina other than, you know, that, it, that there was some famous tennis player from there. And so I remember just doing the research on Argentina and then, you know, the, the GDP, the population and mm-hmm. all that, all the boring statistics. And then I got this book out of the library that was on Buenos Aires, the capital, and I'm flipping through it. And then I turn the page and there's this big full color photo of Argentine tango. I'm like, oh, and it had a picture of a guy in a suit and a lady in a really <laughs> nice dress. I said, that's what I remember seeing. So... <laughs> You know, I only had to wait eight or nine years to see it again. And again, you know, the, that just sort of made a huge impression on me. And again, I thought, well, there's, you know, no way I'm, you know, I lived in upstate New York at the time in, the, in this really rural area. There's no <laughs> way I, I could find Argentine tango. And then, yeah, I remember just out of curiosity, you know, buying some tango CDs, listening to some tango music. And I just became kind of fascinated with, with the music, with the passion of it at all. And of course, like um, like you've heard from a lot of other musicians that we've had on the show, they've came into tango by listening to Astor Piazzolla, and uh-huh. as did I. And when I moved to New York City to work, I, I finally said to myself, "Well, I can do anything I want in New York, uh-huh. and I, I I'll look up tango lessons to see if they're here." And then, lo and behold, they were there. And I remember very nervously showing up for a lesson and taking the class and it was so difficult for me at first but but something about it made me really want to be good at it and Mm -hmm. i ended up becoming addicted very quickly and that was the first tango class you took that really like got you hooked um in new york it got me hooked so technically the very very first class i took was was in was in albany new york i was the first time i went to grad school Uh, i only lasted one semester before i dropped out but i i remember just being so bored in grad school and i was living at home with my parents at the time not happy and then there were some tango classes happening argentine tango classes happening Mm -hmm. there and i signed up for this class and it was it was awful uh, I, I liked I liked wanting to learn how to tango dance. I knew uh-huh. there was something to this that I that I enjoyed, but I don't remember the teacher's name. I don't I don't know if he's around anymore. But he he was horrible. I mean, it was an all levels class. I remember showing up, and within that one class, he had gone over the cross. He had gone over Malanga and the Molinete. Now I knew oh, nothing. Like yeah, I knew nothing <laughs> about tango up to that point, and that's what he was forcing me to do and I said listen I'm not uh, I'm, I'm brand new I don't know anything 
maybe I should yeah. come up to a different class. And he said, no, 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 stick around. And then I wasn't obviously wasn't able to do anything. And he would start berating me in front oh, of gosh. the class saying, <laughs> no, you got to do this. You got to do this. Like, and I remember thinking to myself, gosh, you are just everything what a teacher should not be. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and so. that's when you decided to become a tango teacher to do it all better. <laughs> uh, no, I, at that point I thought I was never going to be a tango dancer. Um, that's amazing that you came back to it after all, yeah. all that experience. After that experience, I thought, I'll give it one more try. And, I thought, and that was in New York City. It was in New York City, and I figured it can't be any worse than that. Um, <laughs> and I and it wasn't. It was still really tough. I mean, I uh -huh. guess in some weird way it kind of prepared me uh, because okay. New York was a pretty tough scene. And yeah, I, I just got hooked really, really yeah. quickly. <laughs> so then the question that you ask everybody mm -hmm. in your podcast, what moment then was it that made you realize that you really wanted to, uh, for tango to be a big part of your life? Presumably that was not in Albany. No, I, I think it was when I figured out, when I finally figured out that rock step to the forward ocho, it's a step, if, you, if you've taken classes with me, that's one of the first steps I, I teach. And so it's a very simple step if, where you just kind of go back and you lead your partner back and then forth and she does this little pivot. Uh -huh. And I remember going to uh, a malanga there and um, this is my second or third time at a malanga. And then there was somebody else who had, been taking a class with the same teacher that I had been taking with mm -hmm. only on a different night. And she said, oh, you know, you know that rock thingy where you do this? I said, yes, that's the only step I know. She said, that's the only <laughs> step that I know too. So we did that all night. And, and that was, and then I felt like I could do something. Okay. And that was really fun. And then I, again, I ran into another student who had the same teacher as I did during a practica. Uh -huh. And that was the only step she knew and the only step that I knew. And then we just did that same step mm -hmm. all night. And then I just felt like... I just felt like, oh, I'm dancing. I'm, I'm finally doing something. Nice. You know? And it was, a, it was a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you go from being a student to becoming a teacher yourself? I guess it was a very slow progression. I was taking a class in, in New York when I was in the second time I went to grad school. This time I actually finished. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I would just leave my class on Thursdays and go to my uh, tango class and I got really into it. And then my teacher at the time, uh, Karina Muller, who's still there, hopefully I'll have her on the show one of these days. But she said, hey, Joe and some other, other guys in the class said, you know, do you want to help out with my beginners? Because mm -hmm. we're short on, on leaders. And I won't charge you anything. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure, yeah. And then I would help out with her beginner or her pre-intermediate classes. And I got to see her teach. And I got mm -hmm. to see the way that she went through a lesson and how she structured a class. So I was a little more familiar with the material. So I was able to, uh, I was able to pay closer attention to how a, a teacher structures uh -huh. uh, lessons. And had another teacher as well that I was studying with who, who did the same thing, had me help out yeah. with her beginner classes. And it was really, yeah, it was really fun just to watch. And then during practice, sometimes people would ask me for help, some of the beginners. And I said, well, I'm not really a teacher, but <laughs> I think our teacher said to do this and that might work. And then when I moved to Madison, I remember starting to teach a, just a beginner class yeah. with, some, with, some, with some friends. And then that was... Yeah, that kind of put me on the path to, okay. to teaching. So in your show, you often talk a lot about um, like what advice people get from their teachers. But I'm particularly curious about what advice you've gotten from other teachers about teaching. Not just about dancing, but about teaching. About teaching. 
I was really lucky to go to this workshop out in Minnesota, the Tango Teacher Co-op. And this is a really, really wonderful program for people interested in teaching. And uh, I remember it was Sabina Ibes out in Minneapolis was there. She was helping to organize it. And then Homer and Christina Lattis who were on the show earlier, a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago, uh, they had this really wonderful program on how to teach. And it was really useful because they, they, they gave all sorts of little pointers, really little things that mm-hmm. you can do. You know, for instance, don't start your class with a lecture. Get right into it. Take control immediately and get people moving. And I never thought of that. I used yeah. to always kind of open up with this big spiel, and that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just a whole list of things that they went through that were really, really useful. I did teach ballroom for a little bit when I worked at a ballroom studio. Mm-hmm. I was their tango expert. Uh, but I did pick up a lot of pointers from from some ballroom teachers. Yeah, uh, I have to give credit where credits due. <laughs> and one of the one of the big things was don't introduce too much material. Yeah, in a class because it's very easy to overwhelm people, especially if dealing with a student who has ne- never danced before, uh, or somebody who's just really shy about expressing themselves through dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never you don't want you don't want to overwhelm them or scare them too easily so yeah give them just a few things to to work on and another really great piece of advice i got was you know when you when you go through your your program when you're teaching you will always as a teacher be more ready than the student when you're moving on yeah so your students will always be a little more comfortable doing something and then so again mm-hmm. just not to not to go too fast mm-hmm. yeah and just to Better to really go in depth with a few things than to cover a lot of things mm-hmm. and overwhelm your your pupil. Yeah. So another question I have related to that is like from the student perspective, what advice mm-hmm. you have for students? I feel like I mean there are many different kinds of students, of course, but in my mind it falls into two categories: the yeah. students who get really into it and just want to take in as much as they can. Yeah. They want to get really good as fast as they can. So for them, you'd probably have different advice than for students who are kind of looking at tango as a hobby. Like they Mm. want to have something to get them out there that's social, but it's not going to be like a daily thing for them. Right. And both are probably students worth having, right? So how would you advise them each of those two categories of students to approach tango? Yeah, absolutely. Learning tango. Yeah, as a teacher, I try to let the students take as much control over their own learning mm-hmm. as much. So I'm never going to force a student to do something that they don't want to do in terms of, of learning. I'm not going to push them to do uh, something they're not comfortable doing. But there are students who are, you know, like you said, um, who get really bitten by the tango bug mm-hmm. and they get really addicted. And them, yeah, they're very easy to encourage because they're, they're probably already motivating themselves. What yeah. else can I do? What mm-hmm. else can I do? Can I go to this? Show? Am I ready to go to this festival? And you definitely want to in, encourage yeah. them in that regard. But for the other category of students, like you said, those who just want to do it for fun, they're not as into attending every single festival or they don't have the time to do it. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess we all have busy lives. They have jobs, <laughs> they have families and that kind of thing. But they still want to do it. And uh, I don't I don't want them to feel as though they have to be as into it as everybody else. So the way I, I kind of look at this, especially for the, the second group of students, is like when you take a tango class, it's kind of like buying a really expensive bottle of wine. And that you don't have to be a really, really great wine expert yeah. to, to appreciate it, but you should educate yourself a little bit. Like you should maybe 
learn a little bit about wines so that you know more than the average person, but you don't have to be a super, super duper wine expert. So like if I were to spend, you know, $100 on a nice bottle of rubber Mondavi, I mean, I would like, I should probably read <laughs> up on why it's so good and what to taste for and, uh -huh. what to, and what to eat it with. But again, I don't have to be a professional wine taste to okay. get the most out of it. You can, so, you can still enjoy it if you don't taste the like chocolate hints and exactly. uh, vanilla notes. <laughs> right, right. Or, or the, the, or the, you know, the, the woodiness of it or the tartness of it. Yeah. You don't have to know all those details, but, okay. but you, but you should know some. Uh -huh. And again, you don't have to get into it, like I said before, but at the same time, you should give it some level of, you have to maintain your level mm -hmm. of dancing to some degree. I would argue that you do have to progress yeah. steadily, regularly, but uh -huh. again, you don't have to just jump in with both feet if you don't want to, but, yeah. there, but there is that level of maintenance that you have to yeah. commit to. Yeah. So I've taken many of your classes, right? Yeah. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me in one of them was when you addressed uh, the role of failure. Mm -hmm. And I thought that is something really worth sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how you conceptualize uh, failure in learning? Yeah, for learning tango, just don't be afraid to fail. Why? Because that's the only way you're <laughs> I mean, it's learn. embarrassing to fail, right? Like, especially if I'm on the dance floor and then, mm -hmm. I don't know, I always feel like I'm screwing up and the person will never dance with me again. Oh, no, yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, so how is that not a bad thing? Yeah, well, when, when you're learning, whether in the classroom or in the practica, especially when you're making those mistakes. Oh, I make them on the dance yeah, floor, we, too. Yeah, we all do. We all make mistakes. And that's how you learn. That's uh -huh. that's really how you learn. There's There's... You know, the only way, only way to get better at tango is to, is to really make mistakes. Nobody can really do it perfectly. Very few people have the talent to do tango flawlessly uh -huh. the first time. Most people are going to bumble their way through it at some point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for more experienced dancers, dancing with less experienced dancers, they should know, they should remember what that was like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've made every conceivable mistake you can possibly think of mm -hmm. uh, without injuring somebody. And that's, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's just the nature of the beast. And that, I'm glad you brought that up because our conception of failure is, is, that can be really hurtful for your tango dancing because you know we go to school, all through college, all through work, we have this mm -hmm. idea that failure is always bad. Right. Especially if you're, if you're in the public school. I mean, I know, I, this is maybe a subject for a different interview, but, um, but yeah, but like often, you know, basically if you're a student in, in public school and you mess up, you make a mistake, they know you have to do it this way. You have mm -hmm. to, be, and we have this mentality of, no, you there's do something wrong. There's one right way. There's and, one yeah. right way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's the red pen. And then, um, mm -hmm. and if you can't sit still and do this, you know, regurgitate the information exactly as it you know, was given to you, then there's something wrong with you and we hold you back. But where Argentine tango is concerned, you know, you, failure is, is part of the learning process, part of the exploration process. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're encouraged to, I had a teacher once say to me, if you're going to make a mistake, make the biggest mistake you can. That's the only way you're going to figure out why it feels wrong. Okay. And then you can go back and do it again. <laughs> Maybe you'll get it less wrong next time. Yeah. And you keep working your way away from there. So it's, it's not just about... Uh, learning from your mistakes, that's sort of the short answer, mm -hmm. but also kind of rewiring your brain to 
look at failure not as something that's going to sink you, but as something mm-hmm. that's going to help move you forward. Because there isn't just one right way? Or... Yeah, that's the great thing about tango is that unlike, again, I don't want to make too, too many comparisons to ballroom, but you know, in ballroom dance, um, there, is, there is a central body, a governing body that says these mm-hmm. are the steps for competition or whatever. But in Argentine tango, there isn't that centralized authority. Mm-hmm. It depends on what teacher you studied with. And then there are certain ways of doing certain steps that are still being debated today. Mm-hmm. And people discuss, no, 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 you should step this way. Oh, no, well, I, I like doing it this <laughs> way. And yeah, it's like accents in a language. Mm-hmm. And that's that's right. what I love about it. It's that there isn't one universal right way. Yeah. And so anybody, anybody type can, can do it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I have done most of my dancing in Madison mm-hmm. um, and you know the Midwestern nice yeah I wonder if it's something special about our community that uh, people are accepting of failure when you're making mistakes even as a Milonga, uh, at a Milonga mm-hmm. like I do or is that something that is universal in tango or what's your sense from from my own personal experience I think it's it's pretty universal uh-huh yeah i mean you you're going to come across some dancers who may be more or less patient with you but that's yeah. a, that's an mm-hmm. individual dancer sort of thing but for the most part i think people are are pretty accepting mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it gets us into community building and mm-hmm. you've done a lot of community building <laughs> in madison yeah what do you think uh, makes a community effective a, da- a tango community yeah i think um I don't even know if effective is the right word, yeah. but um, enjoyable, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, I'm going I'm to sort of reiterate what a lot of other previous guests have said is, is that uh, the that mindset of openness, of, of accepting everybody mm-hmm. who wants to who wants to try it out and being as welcoming as possible. I think that the welcoming aspect of it is really important uh, because dancing in public is something that's that's really hard to do yeah. for, for people. Uh, it was definitely hard for me. And you want people coming who are venturing out to a Malanga for the first time to feel as comfortable as possible. Uh-huh. So as a host, what I try to do is I try to at least give everybody who shows up a little bit of personal attention. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's kind of difficult if you have a lot of people showing up, but yeah. just to do your best you can because mm-hmm. that does go a long way. I remember uh, when I was going to other people's malangas and with the host actually came up and said, hi, how are you? Well, you know, thanks for coming. That just went a long way to making me feel welcome <laughs> and, and uh, making me feel, uh, feel good. And then also, uh, if you, you know, not just if you're the host, but if you're another guest and you see a new person show up, okay, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot that the community can do as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, if, if people see the host doing that, you know, that's, that's an example. Yeah. That's, that's one really, one really big thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah a related question. Mm-hmm. If you're traveling, <laughs> okay. what many of us do when we travel is, um, like, it, say we travel for uh, business mm-hmm. and we have an evening free, we try to get some tango dancing yeah, in and try absolutely. to visit a different community. Do you have any practical advice for travelers? Sometimes it's difficult even to find out what's going on or like when you're at a Milonga and you don't know a single person and they don't know who you are, like how Mm -hmm. do you navigate that space? And they might just think you're a complete beginner because they've never seen you before. Right, right. Um, How do you even know who to ask 
to dance or if you're a woman mm -hmm. if it's okay to ask somebody to dance in that specific community mm -hmm. perhaps that's frowned on or yeah. yeah what's your advice yeah well uh just kind of get a feel of the of the of the place once you step in once you walk in sometimes it's just good to go up to somebody who's sitting next to you while you're putting your shoes on and say hi i'm new in town i'm so and so and maybe they'll be receptive and uh -huh. you know when you're paying for the malanga to get in if that person's a really good person to talk to say hey i'm uh -huh. new here and then they might give you some information or you might say hey who's the host i'd like to say thank you to the host okay and that can that can be your way in or uh, once you start dancing with people uh, they'll probably, if it's a smaller community, they might recognize you as a stranger. Mm -hmm. And so you can probably strike up a little conversation there say, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to be free tomorrow. Do you know where another mm -hmm. good Malanga is? Yeah, and that's, that's they, a good they idea. Might, they might tell you. Yeah, so just to be a tiny bit proactive on your part, because I, a lot of people who do tangle are, are very shy people, like, mm -hmm. like myself. <laughs> And they might appreciate somebody talking okay. to them. So don't assume that just because people aren't paying attention to you that they, they don't like you. It could be that they're just they're just as shy as you right. are. That that's a big possibility. The other quest, uh, question you had about if you're a woman. Um, so the mirada cabaseo works both ways. Mm -hmm. So usually we 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 have you know we're, the the general idea that I was taught is that the men or supposed to initiate the conversation to the women. But but ladies, if if there is someone you want to dance with, yeah, you can you, you just gotta keep staring at them. I know we don't do this in any other situation out in public, but in, in, in tango yeah, it's Yeah, that totally, makes it so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, because we're all brought up with the, it's rude to stare. Right. If you are a, a man or a woman, you you can take that initiative to mm -hmm. to look at somebody until they nod mm -hmm. and ask you to dance. So. Okay. Are there some like novel community building aspects that you you've tried out or that you are planning to try out? Um, I know that at some point you were thinking of offering classes online or mm -hmm. like you're always very imaginative and yeah. trying out these new things. Yeah, I mean in this digital age, uh, it's really really important I think for tango teachers to try new things yeah again i've tried the whole tango online uh teaching online and it's worked out pretty well uh there's actually it's it sort of surprised me because there's actually a lot that you can accomplish without actually being mm -hmm. there and by tango online i mean it, i actually hook up a web camera <laughs> and i have my student with the web camera where they are i had yeah. my student in south korea one time oh my God. across the globe <laughs> once we got the time zones figured out we were able to uh, work with each other and yeah it was there was actually a lot that you can accomplish uh, again ideally it's good to be there with the person but that's something that I'm, I'm I would love to explore more yeah I'm sure there are other teachers out there trying a whole bunch of different things not everything is going to work but again with that whole idea of, of failure don't be afraid <laughs> right. to fail you're going to learn something from it something will come out of it yeah yeah yeah, I see on YouTube there are a lot of teachers who uh -huh. show things online, and that's a really good way to to get into learning teaching. I'm sure something will come out. Um, I'm sure maybe someday down the line someone will invent a tango robot, you know, that, can, that you can dance with. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so. Like if you don't have a partner? Yeah, yeah. Hey. Actually, that'd be pretty cool. That might change the whole social dynamic of tango, but yeah, that's maybe another subject for another podcast, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, AI and tango. Yeah, um, that's, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. No, but so you also teach tango for people with Parkinson's yeah. disease, and you've done some of that online too, right? 
Yes, I did design a couple simple lessons for them to follow. Of course, last week we had that snowstorm in the middle of uh, spring, <laughs> which was weird. So <laughs> we should the, mention the, that we're recording this right, in April. Right. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here in Madison, Wisconsin, we got we got a snowstorm in April. You know, the researcher that I was working with, Dr. Kristen Pickett, was all over the idea. She really. Really, mm -hmm. really enjoyed that. I'll try it out again later because we, unfortunately, the students didn't show up that week. But they did receive the video, and, it yeah. did, and they did. Some of them did practice it on their own, and so, okay. they, so they were, uh, they did feel more comfortable with it when we tried it out when I when we in person. So, so it's like give them kind of a prep video that then gets them up to speed so that they catch on more quickly when you teach them face to face. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So I might I might do it's more like of that. It's like a flipped class almost. <laughs> exactly. I might I might I might do some yeah. more of that just to huh. see how well it works. Cool. Yeah. So obviously another new technology <laughs> aspect that you're bringing into the tango community is this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to start the podcast? Yeah, so I remember taking a bunch of workshops, uh, taking a bunch of lessons, and over the course of Malongas, just having a lot of really good conversations with teachers and with, yeah. with DJs and organizers. And I can't tell you how many times I said to myself in the middle of a conversation, gosh, I really wish I could be recording this. <laughs> and I looked online for other Tango podcasts and there, there weren't really that many. Some of them focused mainly on music, yeah. Uh, and then some of them were about really, really deep into tango stuff. Maybe you know, stuff that's for tango geeks, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really wanted something that was more for those who are a little earlier in their tango journey, just starting to get addicted to tango. And I didn't find anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing a bunch of other uh, podcasters on different subjects. And there's one guy in particular that I liked out in Canada and he just had this really natural, personable style. He seemed really friendly. And I remember on Twitter, I tweeted at him a few times saying, I'm thinking about mm -hmm. doing a podcast. He said, and he tweeted back to me personally okay. and said, yeah, man, you should totally do it. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay. And so I thought, okay, I'll just try a Tango podcast. So I just started writing to as many Tango instructors yeah. as I could. Not all of them got back to me, but a lot of them did say, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to talk to you. And so I got a microphone and I downloaded some recording software and then I just called them up on Facebook and okay. we just talked and I recorded it and it was really fun. It was really great to hear a lot of the stories of these teachers and there were some really well-known teachers who had just been so generous with their time yeah. and, and really, really fun to talk to. and. I think it's been working out pretty well. And the goal of the mm -hmm. podcast is for this to be a resource, another learning right. resource, mm -hmm. because aside from the conversations I've had with teachers, I remember some, some teachers giving some really good nuggets of advice at the last five minutes of a workshop, uh -huh. because the workshop is you're more focused on a figure or yeah. a technical concept, which is great, which is why we're there. Uh -huh. But then there's this other non-physical advice that they give mm -hmm. it's more about the mental side of tango mm -hmm. and all this knowledge and experience they pick up and they can't cram all that they know in the last five minutes right. of class and i thought well why not you know a 20 30 40 minute conversation that would be a much more um a much more yeah, so you don't have tenable. to lecture in your tango right, class, don't have to like you said, you exactly. Yeah. Don't 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 lecture in the class, but you, but with the podcast, which right. is you know, if you're on a long road trip or a flight, and because podcasts are pretty big now, yeah, um, I think that's a perfect opportunity for them to get a little 
additional um, information from your favorite nice. teachers. Yeah. Um, how many people have you interviewed by now? It must be close to 50, right? You're yeah, I think I'm counting this one. This is number 47, I believe. Yeah, but sometimes there are more than one person in the interview. Yeah, so, yeah. Let's just roughly, say a little bit over 50. A little over 50, yeah. yeah. Has there been a common theme across um, things people emphasize about learning tango? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to, to getting really, really good at tango, it's just, you know, just putting in the hard work. Uh-huh. Put, the practicing, putting in the hard work. And I think the common theme that I saw from a lot of the teachers who've made a career out of this is yeah. that they were just relentless in pursuing mm -hmm. tango. They just went after it. And... I think that's beyond tango with it, whatever goals you have in life. That's that's kind of what you have to do. You really have to really focus in and, and <laughs> just, just do the hard work. Um, and once you get inspiration, you have to act on that inspiration. Mm -hmm. yeah, because being being inspired is really fun. Mm -hmm. It's really nice, whether it's from a tango teacher or for somebody else. But then, but the moment that inspiration hits, it starts to recede from you, and mm -hmm. you have to act on it. So there has to come a time when you gotta stop listening to the podcast or stop mm -hmm. uh, stop reading the inspirational graphics that someone posted on Facebook uh -huh. and start doing what those things are actually saying. So yeah, yeah. So that's I would say just putting in the hard work. That's definitely the. Uh, so far the underlying underlying theme interesting mm -hmm. it's funny yeah how, how it all just comes back to a few basic principles mm -hmm. like yeah in the end you just have to do the hard work <laughs> yeah not be afraid of making mistakes right right um yeah i mean that and this is something as simple as not being not being afraid to make mistakes that's that's a big for me personally that was a huge mental mm -hmm. obstacle to get over right because mm -hmm. i hated making mistakes but then once you work through that it's just everything just makes more sense yeah, yeah. Hmm. okay great <laughs> Yeah, what are your plans um, with the podcast? I imagine at some point you've probably uh, interviewed all mm -hmm. famous uh, teachers yeah. uh, and dancers and musicians. You're probably not there yet, but like, mm -hmm. how do you plan to proceed with this? Yeah, well, again, like you said, I've, I've only talked to 50-odd people, and that might seem like a lot. It's To me, it's not. I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. I feel like I'm just, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So I want to keep doing this because I, uh -huh. um, the one other thing I learned about tango and, and, and listening to people's tango journeys is that they started a journey not knowing exactly where it was going to end up. Okay. So I think this podcast idea right now, I have a, a very specific format as you can hear from a lot of the previous episodes, but I'm sure it's going to evolve into something else. And I don't know mm -hmm. what it is, but I think that, you know, one podcast at a time, I think it's gonna, it's gonna turn into something. Yeah, again, it's not my it's not my goal to become, you know, world famous or anything like that. But I think that, you know, by creating this resource for people, mm -hmm. it will eventually turn into something or evolve into something. And then from there, something else. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see where, where it might lead. Yeah. <laughs> and we will all hear about it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know you have a lot of other projects too. Um, you're a, a child book author. Um, you draw cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that being influenced by tango at all? Or does that influence 
Tango? I think it's the lifestyle of being a tango teacher. I, I, being a tango teacher, I'm basically running my own small business. Right. I'm, I'm like a little freelancer here. When you're free, a freelancer or if you're somewhat entrepreneurial, you have an idea for something and then you come up with other ideas. Yeah. So tango is right now the, the big idea that's kind of taken over my life. But like you said, the, the children's book, the, the web cartoons, all of that. I think it just sort of stems from having this lifestyle uh-huh. of... I'm just doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've had regular jobs and I just couldn't do it. So, yeah, I guess it's just the lifestyle of entrepreneurship or being a freelancer. Mm-hmm. You know, you come up with ideas, you act on ideas. And again, this is just yeah. what, what happens when you live that kind of lifestyle. You have ideas to do other things and create other things. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. And where can we find out more about you, all your different projects, whether it's (laughs) tango or cartoons? Okay, well, I'll start with the tango (laughs) stuff first. So if you are a fan of Joe's Tango Podcast, of course you are, right? You can go to joetangopodcast.com. That's where you can find all the podcasts. And uh, that's part of my other website, wisconsintango.com. So that's wisconsintango, all one word, dot com. So if you're visiting Madison and you want to... um, come to Malanga's here or uh, take classes. You can contact me through my website. I'd be happy to give you classes myself or to direct you to many of my other friends in town who teach and hold events. Uh, If you're interested in my silly web cartoons, Mm -hmm. if you go to sealcomics.com, seal, S-E-A-L, comics.com, that is where you can find my web comics and my books and my graphic novels, um, as you can probably tell from the title of the url it's all focused on on seals the animal <laughs> the animal that's right <laughs> not not the singer the animal <laughs> great yeah that's all i had okay. all right. <laughs> thank you for um inviting me to co-host sure and thank you. answering my questions <laughs> all right well thank you listeners for tuning into joe's tango podcast i hope that gives you a little insight on uh, who i am and again as always we have new episodes coming out every monday sometimes fridays but definitely every monday all right we'll see you next time thanks for listening